I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian writer Dane Baptiste, and my producer friend Howard Cohen. Hello. A.K.A. De Hizza, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. There are no bad questions at all. To ask is a moment's shame. Not to ask and remain ignorant is a lifelong shame. So we ask all the questions that need to be asked. Uh, on today's show, our guest is a legendary comedian. He has performed at the Edinburgh Fringe every year since 2003 and has TV credits which are too numerous to name. So, so many. many I couldn't, I, so I, many, couldn't so many. I could be a bit boring if I'm honest with you, trying <laughs> yeah, to yeah, pick I mean, the right ones. His, so. his, pres- his presence is positive and ubiquitous in comedy uh, and he has been an inspiration to comics such as myself, as you will see later on in the podcast. Uh, please welcome Mr. Stephen K. Amos. Oh, lovely. Thank Hello. you very much. That's it. That's it. It. How are you? I'm most agreeable. That's my word of the day. Agreeable. Agreeable. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Not not happy. Not sad. Agreeable. Agreeable. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of kind of malleable with what's happening right now. Just dealing with it. Taking it in your stride. I am, but in my own world. You see, I'm oh, sort of, course, of closed yeah. off to outside influences. Yeah. So I get out get out of my house, and then I have to face the world. You know, bad drivers, grumpy people on the street, and I kind of go. You know what? I'm gonna go and uh, go, just take a steady pace and and just be agreeable to myself. Yeah, it's a great, great, great way. Yeah, be the change you want to see in yourself first. Exactly, I like it. It's I easy like not it. to be in a city of like London. Oh, oh God, yes, of course. Uh, that's why I moved into a house where I've got no neighbours because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got now. I mean, I can see the houses, but they're not like I'm 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 detached uh, from everything. So I like to play music at really weird hours of the day, like you, Dane. I come back from home after doing a gig, you know, different hours of the day i don't want curtains twitching i don't yeah. want to hear anybody else's business mm, you know i don't have to give a note to go i'm having a party next week do you mind if make no no yourself, can you keep your, yeah i can just be myself exactly have, have so you, you've got there. no neighbors anywhere either well, well yes yeah, i've got na- I, I live in london <laughs> yeah. that's incredible yeah. scenario <laughs> <laughs> now, I, i'm quite fortunate enough that my house is is standalone so i i've got no direct neighbors right, on right. any side of me no one's coming around for to ask for some sugar absolutely not and if they, I, the only weird thing is i get people my uh, my most close neighbor mm-hmm. uh uh is called their house is called the lodge i get some of their mail which is really frustrating. It's really weird. When you have those houses that have names, normally that's enough for the... Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what's wrong name. with the postman that you cannot differentiate between my house and the lodge? So yeah. now I'm in a dilemma. Do I now walk over to the lodge and go, your post came in? Or yeah. I do what I normally do, which is post it back. That's cool, yeah. take a few more days. Exactly, and, and say, hey, try again, Royal Mail. <laughs> yeah. Has your house idea. got a name? It has got a name, yes. <laughs> Sweet, you've made it. Yeah. I've got that as, as, as well. I've got that now. It's a nice indicator of success is when your <laughs> house has a name, not, not, called not, Blenheim, not a number. Called Blenheim House, where I live. Uh, really? That's nice, cool. isn't it? That's not bad at all. Yeah, but I'm not in London now, you see. I'm just out. I'm Hertfordshire, so. Oh, but that's I, even nicer. Hertfordshire, that's that's more gravitas. Blenheim House in Hertfordshire. Who am I? I'm from Ilford. This is incredible scenario. Well, you've moved out of Ilford, haven't you? That's a good thing. What's your... Oh, do you want to tell us what your house is called? We don't usually ask people to give us their <laughs> details of their address. <laughs> do you know what? I, thought, I, I think I'll, I'll skip that question. Yeah, yeah. I don't want people to turn it yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. camping out. We'll just say, we're going to say Amos Manor for the rest yes, of the podcast. Yes. Amos Mansions. No, 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 yeah, Amos usually, Mansions. Yeah. Yeah, Amos Mansions is good. Yeah, I'll usually ask them for personal details <laughs> and yeah. pin numbers and stuff. Yeah, what's your postcode? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it's, let's have your. It's time for Stephen's question. The, the special guest always goes first. Yeah, that right. right game? Okay, I've got I've got a question that I, I wrote down, and um, you guys work in comedies. So maybe you can uh, help me with this one. Something I've been pondering on for quite a while. It seems to me that the most popular comedy at the moment in the UK, anyway, and comedies on television, for example, don't seem to say anything. So I want to find out: is it possible for a performer to break through? with a stream of consciousness? Wow. Great question. Mm. 
It's a great question. Really question. I think we need to cite some of these comedies because. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because we. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to work. I'm going to talk about some that I don't think. It, it, you know, because uh, it's obviously can, could be considered a negative that they don't have that stream of consciousness. But take a show, and I'm going <laughs> to say the Big Bang Theory because it's American and therefore I'm safe with any future employers. But, um, it, you know, it doesn't have anything that it's really saying about life. But obviously, yeah. it makes a million billion people laugh with just stupid yeah. geekery is that yes. the reason why though maybe yeah the that it, it's not challenging and that it doesn't talk about anything which is weird for a collection of scientists who are you know the merit of their uh their i guess their group means that they understand how the universe works but there seems to be very very little commentary and mm. uh maybe at the at the risk of jeopardizing my future opportunities <laughs> i don't understand why you have a show where the one asian person speaks to his parents in english Mm. <laughs> and I'm just saying, I'm saying a, a show that's supposed to be geared towards a people uh, be highbrow and geniuses. You know, I think they should rely on the fact that people can read subtitles. Mm. That's so. a very, very good point because I I think that show kind of works because I think you touched on it because it it, it it's the the geek. You know, the geek was always mm. never never seen as the funny guy, is always mm. the guy that's the butt of the jokes, you know, and, and traditionally, you know, when you think about sciences, you think about, you know, big foreheads and white coats. So to make a comedy show where the geeks are the stars yeah. and, you know, that they're not uh, the, the underdog in mm. any way, that's quite interesting. Well, it made them not the a niche as well. Like over the course of the internet's rise, geek subjects were always yeah. niche but like gradually and that was part i think i mean yeah. it's helped them Definitely. like star trek and I all these things yeah. are now i think maybe they were on the right curve because yeah as you said i think yeah there's like guys at the moment is it's revenge and nerds and you think about like in popular culture that you know, like a lot of comic book adaptations are now the most successful genre of film at the moment well you know that comic books when i was growing up was reserved for people with a, a kind of a geekyish kind of leaning mm-hmm. where and, and then you think about industry and economically speaking most of the jobs people have now are in tertiary or quaternary industry where you know you pretty much can't really do a job nowadays that doesn't involve a computer you yep. know, to have a successful job so you know if you are someone that was computer savvy then you're probably in a best stead for employment and so yep. Yeah, maybe their fingers were on the pulse, and that's what they were saying. Like, it's the way that, the world that, is going. That shows one example. I mean, in the UK, yeah. it's, an, it's an interesting thing to, to you know to, to to think about. I think because of 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 what I, I guess a lot of people would class as not willing to take risks. Yeah. Like, but then I don't know. It's a weird way. It depends how you want to. Depends how you want to frame your viewpoint in some ways because. Some people would think Mrs. Brown's Boys was a real big risk taking thing. Most of them, because you know what I mean. To put for for a certain audience, so like let's say who's watching BBC One at nine o'clock on a Saturday, yeah. it isn't. We, we we're not. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hopefully I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. I You're not watching other, it. Be busy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're not catering to you then. So so but to put that on them would have been at some point a, a risk. But but I suppose it's it's also that youth. I think that's what, you know, I watched recently, I don't know if you saw it on UK TV, a, a documentary about the young ones that was, I think it was like two hours, which was pretty, yeah. pretty intense. But yeah. like, you just saw how much of a risk taking thing the whole show was. Mm. And, and you kind of, that was, I think there was a time when kind of, I don't know, trying to make something youth or youthful or have, or have yeah. like a kind of alternative message wasn't as collaborated it was just yeah. like, oh, that's let's just try that, you know. And I, I don't know yeah. if there's that process is over evolved, maybe, yeah. Poss- possibly. And not that I'm having a go at uh, what's populist or anything mm. like that. But when I think about, you know, in the UK, you know, the stadium filler type comics, the uh, the shows like Mrs. Brown's Boys, yeah. uh, Citizen Khan, that you know that they've that the popular seem to kind of mm. really go for. And I'm kind of trying to look for the, the, the nuance or the, uh, the, the kind of the, the message or whatever is there that I'm kind of missing myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure if, if these programs in, in the last three or four years anyway, I kind of youth driven or, or, no, they're or, definitely or, not. or, or whether they're yeah. kind of, um, uh, uh, I, I mean, maybe it's just the, the, the way, that the, the the commissioners 
are seeing what we want mm. as as in the audience. That's that's the thing I've heard all my career about, you know, the the commissioners or the powers that be saying, um, oh, it's what the people want, which has always confused me, that whole thing. Completely, like, yeah. It could, you know, yeah like, they don't know. They, 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 I mean, they have no idea. And, yeah, and if you'd have told you, the public they want to watch people watch TV, yeah, they would have told you no. My, my, my point exactly, or, or like, you know, the only way is Essex. And even just yeah. the whole, uh, kind of guess the whole phenomenon about of, uh, of reality TV, I don't... I don't really recall people asking for that. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, really, a real cop out is like giving people what they want. Yeah. And, I mean, people won't know what they want until it's shown to them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's been, because I guess comedy in general, the idea is obviously that it has a subtext and there is a commentary that's involved in comedy anyway. And if we talk about like sitcom being an abbreviation of situation comedy, then these situations, I guess, yeah, the basis for them don't seem to be that realistic. So my example would be, for example, like Will and Grace. Yeah, you know, and and then uh, yeah. So you had Will and Grace, for example. That's a situation comedy. But then you know, given maybe the the issues that may have affected the uh, LGBT community at the time, probably only dealt with on a real superficial level in Will and Grace. Mm. To the point where I guess it probably contributed to a uh, very skewed view of your quintessential gay man Mm. in the form of Will, and didn't really maybe didn't address a lot of issues. The way it should have done. So, or even for me, it's like it's friends, where it's like you know, Phoebe Buffay was homeless in New York, you know, for a year, stayed in the YMCA, and has no gay or black friends. And you're, and you're, you're a musician. You're, you're a homeless musician yeah. in New York, you know. And if you go on a subway and you want to see other homeless people, like, and yeah. she had, and 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 Joey Tribbiani is a, is a, is out a, of work is actor, a, out of work actor, and you don't know any black people in New York. <laughs> I, I think my my thing with with Will and Grace, I think when it, when it started, it was quite groundbreaking because I think it was one of those. It was a sitcom that we saw where the, the, the main character, one of the main characters anyway, was an out gay man, mm. but not a stereotypical gay man. And it wasn't really in question. That was quite groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And his foil was the Jack character who was, you know, what one would say the typical sort of yeah, very yeah. high camp and, mm. you know, kind of catty bitchy lines. Yeah. And that's why I never got into Friends at all. Yeah. And I, you know... I can appreciate why it's done so well and still does well, still but it really never well, yeah. spoke to me on any level yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you go to a cafe in New York and everyone is white. <laughs> you know, even the people working there. Yes, <laughs> even that. Even the people working there. Like you know, Monica works in kitchens. No Mexicans. <laughs> None. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean they, it's, she it's works funny, in an apartment and like, you know, no, no cleaners of a varying race shows in, now in talk New York. about this, no, shows retrospectively, Seinfeld retrospectively talks about how there were no ethnic minorities in Seinfeld. I mean, Seinfeld was the yeah. biggest show in America by a long distance. Yeah. And was well, a show about nothing. So again, maybe, maybe set the precedent yeah. for a lot of these shows now, which is just basically... It's worth checking that out if you can find where he talks about it, because it's, yeah. it's, he talks about how they would be like, oh, fuck, this is ridiculous. Like, and so every cameo role for a certain period of the show is a, is a black or an Asian mm-hmm. or a, you know, um, a, a Spanish guy. Yeah. Uh, they made a big, big deliberate yeah. ploy of it. People were very clearly had no conversations many... with uh, Kramer prior to <laughs> <laughs> Watch how many times Jerry goes on a date with someone who's not white, though. Yeah. That's quite interesting, though, because wasn't there like a backlash recently about uh, some of the storylines and some of the things that were said in Friends? That, yeah, they don't, uh, you know, they don't apply to the current... Um, way that we're kind of censoring and in some ways obviously rightly censoring things but that's retrospective censorship which yeah. is just clearly yeah. gonna get rid of everything yeah ever, and, and, basically or well, not everything yeah. but a lot of stuff's gonna be like well you just can't watch any of this can you it's all just <laughs> terrible 40 yeah. towers is something that we revere in this country yeah but he's incredibly horribly Daily Mail hating yeah, quite offensive yeah. oh my yeah. goodness early only early only fools and horses is yeah. Incredibly oh, racist, oh, or even goodness. Roseanne. I didn't even notice that when I was a kid, and no, she's that, paid that, for it now. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that, yeah, so I guess it catches up with you in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, sure. it's an interesting thing, though. I, I'm gonna kind of stand because some this, there are some things that do um, become these kind of very. How did you describe? It? You said stream of consciousness, clear message to shows like Fleabag was a real. 
thing that landed for a lot of people in that way in this country, I think. And obviously it's become a, quite an international thing. And then uh, there's a show called The End of the Fucking World, which has become oh, yeah. really, right. really popular uh, through Netflix. I think it's one of the things about both those shows, and Catastrophe as well has a little bit. But the, the, both of those things, they're not the old sitcom model. The, yeah. the, they're, they're not playing yeah, beat, no, beat, no beat, can, yeah, no laugh. Kind of laughter, yeah, 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 and that's all. That's all kind of been lost, I guess, in a way. I don't know quite why. I mean, I think I think it's just that we're in an age of a real lot of transparency where the medium exists, so people are aware that how how shows are put together. So yeah, I guess it makes the whole laugh track being very obsolete. And then arguably the longest running sitcom is the Simpsons, mm. which never had a laughter track. And, you know, I would say despite it being animated, probably has a very big subtext in terms of commentary on Americana. Mm. Cause a lot of archetypes in uh, the Simpsons kind of represent, you know, a large part of middle America mm. where, you know, literally to the right of the uh, Simpsons, you have the Flanders who are like, you know, very fundamentalist Christians and obviously you have uh, Bart Simpson being ADHD generation and you know mm. Maggie being a young woman not being able to speak and then uh, the middle child <laughs> being a feminist and yep. essentially again being relatively ignored and feeling like an outcast because of her level of intellect and um, and then you have Lenny and Carl who have this uneasy almost quasi kind of homoerotic relationship yeah. with each other where they, they, they know that they're linked. And it, Many and alcoholic look, characters. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of alcoholic <laughs> characters as well. And, you know, and so, yeah, it's, I think that's probably, yeah, my, one, one example whereby you do kind of get the... Uh, I think in the UK, it's, that's why I think it's, what you said is really interesting because in the UK, it is, it is a thing where you, you know, I can I could tell you some shows that I think are funny, but that very clear, purposeful, you know, um, a lot of people are talking about um, Atlanta, yeah, uh, which I've only seen a bit of so mm-hmm. far, so I can't. But definitely seems like that's close to what you're talking about. Where yeah. there's a purposefulness to to yeah. the but comedy even, in that show. But by that token, I think even Atlanta can we even just classify it as a sitcom because mm. I mean some episodes have taken more have a more dramatic take than than a comedic one. But uh, Shameless, maybe. Mm. That, yes, that, that yes. has the kind of stream of consciousness, I suppose. But I mean, I I wouldn't say that I I kind of agree with you that yeah, that was probably the only thing that bothered me about even starting comedy is that like I said your your arena fillers and your more prolific comics there was just this idea that everything is okay and you know I started comedy like 2010 but it's like the financial crisis was like 2007 2008 and it's like there seems to be no retrospective on how this may have affected people and it was just like a lot of talk which again I mean funny but like yeah it's just like I said if we're talking about elevating people on the uh how keen their observations are mm. like to see a lot of people not talk about what's happening in the world and then now seeing this undercurrent now that's bubbled to the surface of alt-right rhetoric and right-wing mm. rhetoric now almost being considered like punk <laughs> which is not but yeah. yeah that's given rise because i guess for a long time we've had this banality and this this lack of uh consciousness with the our, our fair of, of, of sitcoms so yeah it's, i think it's been a while especially in the uk where yeah any kind of stream of consciousness and anything being quite cerebral and, and by by because of that yeah I, I do find it hard to relate to a lot of some some of the news kind of sitcoms so what were yeah. the things that you that you guys did relate to that were that had that well oh, off the top of my head i can't quite grasp but uh like when i started it was it was you know it was in response in a way to uh the alternative comedy that was coming out of the kind of 80s that kind of spoke to me. Mm. You know, these are people who are on the edge of society, if you like, who who are speaking mm. for a, a new generation. And it wasn't about, you know, um, oh, my mother-in-law, or oh, look at that, pack it down the road, and where everyone's <laughs> laughing heartily. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, wow, this is something I can kind of get into. And then I started it, but then my fear was, you know, oh my goodness, I've got to make people laugh. So yeah. for, for about five or 10 years, it was jazz hands. Look at me, aren't I funny? Yeah. And then when I got that out of my system, I was like, you know what? There's more to this than that. Mm, There's yeah. more, you know, and maybe it's because I am a black man that I felt a responsibility because, you know, it's for, I could go on stage and just, you know, look at me, ha, 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 and just think of nothing or I could address issues. Mm. But then I also found, you know, you're striding kind of two different worlds. What, there was some camp when I was doing jazz hands, happy comedy going, no, look at him. He doesn't talk about anything. Just do it. And then when I started talking about issues that mattered to me, oh, look, he's just doing black comedy. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You, you yeah. can't seem to win. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah. for me, um, 
some any some kind of comedy that really moves me and that comes from the heart or from, from the soul, even if it's a point of view that I don't agree with, mm. that really that really speaks to me. Yeah, yeah. has has yeah, it has its origin, and, you, and I think. Yeah, I agree in terms of the fact that there are, there are comics that I may necessarily get everything they say or laughter about what they say, but the originality and like I said, and the uh, yeah, the concept being kind of a stream of consciousness, I can understand and respect that. And yeah, is there's I think there's a real uh, I think I, I mean I personally think there there is this obligation that you should have in that you have the attention of everybody and by stream of consciousness, you're trying to reach the consciousness of that collective consciousness, and I don't think you can do that unless you are being you know reflective and. Yeah, talking about stuff because I mean, you you initially your your first for me your first your first uh, your perspective of first is as a black man initially, but really you're trying to scratch the surface because you're performing because you're trying to find a mutuality with your audience anyway. Mm. So it's just yeah, but yeah, it's, it's overcoming these hurdles of people being like, well, he's just talking about black stuff. It's like yeah, because that's initially how I see things, but <laughs> yeah, we're just yeah. trying to scratch Sorry. the surface and yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you and I always say like when people say stuff like that, it's like oh well, I could forget, but there'll be something there to remind me. Yes, yes. At some point, I'll be reminded of yeah. it. Yeah. If I don't say it, yeah. somebody in the audience will say it. So mm. I did a gig on Saturday last week, uh, uh, one of these sort of big festival things in a big marquee or whatever, and I couldn't get the mic stand to rise. It was just so stiff. And so I, so I had to, and there's like a thousand people in this tent, and I asked the, uh, the stage manager to come along and, you know, I did a funny thing about him doing the mic stand. Somebody in the back of this tent, 2018, shouted out, yeah, that's right, get a white man to do it. And just that kind yeah. of like, oh, what was the response? Was there ooh. a big, oh, response? Well, yes, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, because my take would have been something like, oh, look, I have got what I meant to do it because, you know, times have changed. Yeah. Because way back when, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, to kind of diffuse that, but to not show that one is angry or, or one has been derailed by what's been said. Yeah. So you're right, whether it's a reviewer who mentions it or, or, or gives you the moniker of black gay comedian, you know, already giving stuff out there that's going to perhaps give a negative uh, point of view to people who haven't seen you yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and may assume that that's all you're going to be talking Cause about. Because reduce, it's reducing your narrative by just this need that we only, we have to uh, compartmentalise stuff for us to perceive it. So, you know, by by doing that, then anyone that's outside of these descriptions are like, well, I guess it's not for me then. Exactly. So mm. it, it, my it, When it I first started getting to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, way back when, in fact, my first, I was, did a compilation show years ago, years ago uh, with Lee Mack... Uh, uh, the, the Will Smith, uh, lovely Will. Do you know Will Smith? Yeah, well, yeah, once, wonderful, yeah, wonderful man, yeah. and uh, a couple of others, and uh, and it was really quite interesting just to be on a bill with these three different guys, different takes of things, different styles of comedy, and and just doing what what you do, hmm. and I it didn't occur to me back then that people just go single you out. By just describing you, yeah. you know, not mm. t- not talk about what you were doing, but just simply because yeah. my friend used to say to me, "Oh, you are going to Edinburgh? Oh, black comics don't go to Edinburgh, yeah. or or you know, <laughs> uh, it's not for us." Yeah, and I I kind of go, "Why is that?" So, oh, as soon as you know, you've got a poster on the street with all these other posters, and there's a black face, you know, uh, people are just going to go, "Oh, he's, he's they're assuming oh he's going to be talking about black comedy and wouldn't go to the show because mm-hmm. really Edinburgh well. in the main is is you know uh, is, is opening up now." But it wasn't a place that was, you know, drawing different minorities, if you oh, like, sure, yeah. to come I mean, and, and experience. Yeah, along, uh, along racial and class lines when you think about absolutely. it. Because, you know, it's August, it's in the coldest part of the world, <laughs> or the country, sorry. You know, mm. that's not where most of the laity spend August, is sitting in a dark room. If I remember when I did my my first or second solo, I, when, I don't know if you, you still do this day, I used to collect all my little like clippings and you know oh my god i'm listed in time out i better keep this forever <laughs> yeah. you know and and then i remember my first solo second solo show in edinburgh as a gilded balloon and they and one of the papers were like oh, oh we're gonna come take a picture of you there's a review coming out and i was like oh, okay we'll take a picture and it was a really nice picture and the the the, the byline of the of the <laughs> was move over lenny How? oh <laughs> what <laughs> I, I, I still have it. Oh, and man. I, was like, I knew it was coming. I didn't know exactly what it would be. Move over Lenny. <laughs> I was like, really? Wow, well, you're yeah. in Scotland, so it's like the Highlander. <laughs> so there can only be one. <laughs> there was, can only be it. one. <laughs> I, still, I still got it up until this day. I was like, wow. wow. We're going to find that. That's yeah, a remarkable... <laughs> yeah. well, you talk about institutionalised racism. 
Like oh. ultimately, what that is to me. Oh, of course. It's like it. it it's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Hopefully, as the world becomes more accepting of things that are different in the hope there <laughs> i'm aware that's a big hope but the, as you become more interested by things that are different whereas generations and generations of people were just like oh it's what i know you know like yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. will embrace all these you know kind of wide yeah, well, varied was, i think yeah was, social media for example is definitely definitely eroding comfort zones but that was a good that was a great question really Steve. thank question. you oh no. thank you i was I a bit worried that. i thought you know no, no. should i try and be funny no or? no we no, love no, the no. fact no, that no. people don't know if they're gonna be funny or serious yeah. and then it, uh, it's no. great we like that we, we like all questions is uh, everything I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it on television for my question oh yeah, yeah. okay which is I, I fascinates me this element of, of of life which is what is your ultimate TV guilty secret so what's that show <laughs> what's that show that you don't really want to shout about the fact that you love sitting there watching Sunday morning nobody's bothering me for the next four hours I could sit there and just milk this show if the world would just let me what would be your your guilty secret TV show. I've, I've definitely got two. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> waiting for the backlash. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like, I'm trying to talk about this whole reality stuff and whatever. I'm, 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 I don't ever want to appear bitter about stuff. And I think I'm kind of similar to you, Dave, in that if you're going to critique something, it bet you should at least do it with 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 grace and and come at it with with a really intelligent argument you can't just go oh that is shit because yeah. that has no basis like love island uh, uh, there's a show on a sort called the bachelorette all these kind of programs to me fairly vacuous don't say anything promoting a, a, a notion of beauty that as far as, as far as i'm concerned is is unrealistic unattainable mm. doesn't relate to me in any way and is it really beauty sure it's just a, a construct of the media reinforcing what they believe beauty to be and people falling into that you know uh so my my own personal pleasure i've got two of them yeah when i'm at home late at night after coming home from a gig or i've got downtime i am obsessed with murder programs and I, oh, when yeah. I saw, like like the id channel yeah, yeah. like real life yeah. murder if you were to look at my at my <laughs> internet history without knowing this you'd yeah. think i was quite mental <laughs> no no I, I don't, I don't, you'd be surprised i mean but you know csi is an enormous one so voyeurism is a big part and like and, and i had i think i had a phase where i was definitely interested in serial killers i think it was after i broke up with my first girlfriend <laughs> I, was like, I was i was like how evil can somebody be let's yeah, investigate yeah. <laughs> But I think that the quality of the program making for that genre has gone up in a, in a different way in the last few years. It has. But what it's done for me <laughs> is it's, it's let me know, um, again, uh, uh, the editing process, the, the, the selection of material that goes in. Because like, when I watch these programs, and these are like real life murders, yeah. right? Not like Yeah, we want know, the real stuff. The real stuff. And if there's something that I'm watching that doesn't quite make sense, I Google it. Right. Even yeah. while I'm, it's an obsession now. Mm, and then yeah. I found out facts that they have omitted from the program, ah. and that really annoys me that yeah. they've spun this in a way to right. kind of, to kind of, to, to fit uh, their narrative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, their, it's their storytelling. Do you know, and you kind of go, what? what? I know newspapers do it. I know the media do it in general. But have you come to a stage where you just can't, can't believe anything? Well, do you know what it is? As a yeah. TV well, producer, yeah. I'm going to flag up not everyone is as meticulous at their jobs as they should be. Uh, that right. may occasionally and, just and, be and human error. And, yeah, it might just be human error. It's protected times, by the phrase based on a true story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you say based on a true story, you give yourself a lot more artistic license to fill in the gaps that you may not uh, have, have had mm. the conviction to research. So, you know, it's, it's like you look at Goodfellas, for example like a, a great film based on a true story. Mm. Henry Hill doesn't actually kill anyone. Yeah, yeah. And he's not actually actively involved in maiming or killing anyone. It's like, but you were in a crime family for this long. Yeah, yeah. You weren't involved in any violence. <laughs> it's very hard <laughs> to believe. But the, 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 the one thing I was going to say about the... Um, the murder stuff, this like it's like a craze now. Yeah, when you say in the last couple of years, there's been like a real making a murderer, yeah, massively promoted like oh, that of kind of so. content. But then the one that stuck for me was the first series of, of, of Serial. I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast, but if you haven't listened to that podcast, Stephen, that's your next twelve hours. I you did. Get, I yeah, did listen to about it. Just... Adnan, the guy who you know committed this, and it to me 
me and my wife were just glued beyond belief to that that show. Like, I can I can get hooked when Making a Murderer came out, for example. Oh God, yeah. I'm not. Even, I listened to it back to back. Oh God, yeah. yeah. I'm not joking. And what, working on the working on the case, like working the case. Spider Graham in it at home. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to work out. We Avery, know. Avery family. What does it mean? <laughs> Brandon wrestling. If only we could get the DNA for that. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It is remarkable how it, how it how it toys with particularly cereal is the one that toyed with the, your brain to try and work out who done it and i think when they give you that extra element it's so so engaging i can see how you get hooked oh i'm it. absolutely hooked i'm not even joking honestly i last night in my house again about two in the morning sitting there with a nice glass of red wine just glued and watching this program to the end and it was a horror and and, and the cold case ones i've recently got into as well mm. right. oh they found because dna the advances in dna have meant they can go back 30 years and find out stuff that the other guys missed uh there was there's uh, they got a hair on from a woman's thumb who uh, they kept their hair uh, for 30 years <laughs> <laughs> and they did the DNA and they found out it was her uncle. Boom! Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. I like it. The uncle did it! <laughs> I like it. So that was number one, guilty pleasure. Uh, number yeah, two. Number one, yeah, yeah. Um, Everyone's got them. That's why I wanted oh, to ask this. For me, because I, I've got a legal background, I am obsessed with Judge Judy. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No, no. I didn't I, see it coming. It is my dad's favourite show. <laughs> I am just to give you an idea of it. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Of his view where discipline is concerned, that's like his favourite show. Do you know mm. what? And I kind of I kind of really want it to be true because I lo- nine times out of ten, I agree with everything she says. Yeah. And... Um, I just can't believe that people are, obviously there's money involved. People come yeah. on TV to to air their nonsense uh, to to an audience because Judge Judy is syndicated. And apparently, she, and, she, and she oversees all of that. I think she has like some production credit where the syndication, she... She's executive or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah, she's definitely, doing, definitely. doing amazingly well from it. Yeah, but yeah. But Judge, Judge Judy is a good... But again, Judge Judy is a good one. It's and, a great and, guilty, and I, and I guilty it, pleasure. It, it I love that. Of, yeah, it's good. Judge Judy kind of like launched all of that, you know, Joe Browns and... Uh, oh, um, Get the black lady who does is it divorce court she does yeah and then and it's is it who's is it J- rinder oh judge rinder over yeah. here that's yeah, the yeah, british yeah, equivalent and well, stuff yeah. as well but it's but they're all dealing with like uh civil cases yes so yeah. there's no there's no capital crimes on these things so i guess it makes for an easy watch yeah. and you know but a lot of people won't know that which is the reason why when um people be like and also your honor um he attacked me and she's like yeah yeah like how much money is involved here? But like, yeah, but like a lot of time, yeah, it's uh, definitely her using the uh, rule of common man in mm. civil law, and mm. a lot of stuff is quite straightforward and to understand. Straightforward, gonna... and she doesn't think about you know. We here it's a court. We deal with facts. Yeah, you know, I don't care how you feel or yeah. how you perceive this to be. Let's deal with facts. Yeah, mm. she's your daughter. You love her. I don't. This is my wow. Yeah. Mm. But she, I mean, yeah, because she's studied great it's, it's, character. It's an exercise yeah. in legality and not morality. So I understand it, and it's mm. it's definitely good for uh, learning to measure your temperament. And mm. so it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's a good one. That's not so bad. Yeah, they're good. Not, no, but these, 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 are, they're, these are juicy ones. They're good. Yeah. Dane, I, but I think I was going to say before you, you you guys said, but you didn't say it. It was is I don't think you can include Ru, RuPaul Drag Race. What? Because I know you're. This was coming, no? Okay, no, no. I mean, it's, it's just the most popular there's, show there's on the planet. Several, but then, but then, I'd say historically, my main two are like I like food porn, like diners, drive-ins, and dives. He's oh, on the Food Network, and Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri is this cook who uh, blonde-haired guy, right? Blonde-haired guy with the frosty highlights who has one son called Hunter, yep. and I think, 
can't remember what his other son is called, but they got weird names like Chase and Hunter. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, or, no, or like Ryder or even yeah, Scuba. Yeah. I don't know, but he's <laughs> this guy. And he, so, but he um, basically does, uh, it's a travel, a food travelogue where he goes throughout America looking at, uh, and he gets a uh, word of like the best kind of like, you know, the, yeah, like diners, drives in. The I mean, I would say the fact that that show, genuinely, have you ever seen that? Steve? No, I haven't right, seen so, it. I mean, genuinely light on content would be my, because <laughs> it's a really yeah. watchable show if you're in that scenario where you want that bit of, pleasure yeah but like it's generally like hey i just turned up at this place this place does this how do they make that and then i eat it yeah and he on says, to the next one and it's amazing and oh, i've seen yeah. it and, he, and he's yes. like and he's like you know this is the best place in like kentucky however this is how i spice it up howard mm. is that you know when they say we're a traditional place i'm like well how long before jim crow laws were lifted in this particular establishment <laughs> <laughs> whenever they say well we're, we're a traditional american place oh so i wouldn't have been able to eat there for uh, 40 or so years ago so <laughs> yeah we don't serve chicken yeah no, exactly really. yeah yeah Dick Gregory's got a good bit on that when they say uh, we don't we don't serve black men here. And he's like, good, I don't eat them, <laughs> so it's fine. That's a great bit of guilty pleasure TV, you know that. Yeah, it, it's so I mean, easy to digest because it's just like digest. Yeah, yeah, right. but it's no, nothing it's, going on though. There's, there's, no, not, there's, yeah, nothing, there's nothing going, going on. on. There's no it's, plot. It's not challenging. Man versus food at least has some plot. Like, I mean, it has some plot, but the, really plot, eat it or the not. plot is the fact that Americans in their in, throughout the military industrial complex have, have run out of things to fight and mm. now are against food. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and given given the fact that obesity is endemic in your nation, yep. like you're losing that war. Yep. <laughs> so but, that's um, like about about man versus food. Yeah. That's so that's so drivers dying in the dies. One, one, one like of that them. Lot. The uh, other yeah. one, and then the other one is uh, love and hip hop. Right. Yeah, that's 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 my guilty pleasure. I have to mm. take in my stories on a Tuesday. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. so not everyone would have heard of that. So no? love. So yeah. So love and hip hop. I guess is the uh, I guess the hip hop equivalent of your uh, your Taoists or your mm. real housewives and um and it, and it kind of began and it's based in what are considered like hubs of music. So you have hit, love and hip hop New York. You yeah. have love and hip hop Atlanta. Love and hip hop and love and hip hop Miami it's and a love and hip hop thing though, uh, like LA, like Hollywood hasn't hasn't broke UK massively. Not massively, but but I, but I think for a demographic, they will yeah. make the effort to go and see it because uh, so now Cardi B, who had the number one with Bodak Yellow, and yeah. so she her origins begin on um, love and hip hop. Um, but then but then her success of having love and hip hop as a springboard to her career kind of speaks to how much the show is about hip hop because now that she's a successful rapper, she's not on the show anymore. <laughs> doesn't really need to be yeah why would you whereas whereas instead it, it now seems to be more of a rapper's graveyard yeah which which i guess is how reality tv works now is that you can still realize like you know some level of career if you appear on a reality tv show so that that for me so it's like it's love and hip-hop so i justify it by i'm watching reality tv but it's about hip-hop so that's why it's okay i'm doing yeah. this for the culture <laughs> and very little hip-hop appears in in the show and, and it's yeah but all four of those are very different they're very different shows. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Right. The reason I, I mean, I, I realized the other day that what mine was so clearly, and it, it links to one of yours, which I cannot stop watching when I'm in that scenario of like nothing to do, mm-hmm. leave me alone, world. For I can uh, kitchen nightmares, USA. I honestly, I don't. I mean, like the, the, the British one, okay, it's fine. But when they send Ramsey to America. And he's out in New Jersey, and this guy has been running a steakhouse. How do you fuck up a steakhouse? First of all, I'm just always you amazed. Don't tell me I can't freeze my meat, Goldman Ramsay. You fucking kidding me? I, I can freeze my meat. It is incredible. You know, Channel Four. You know, uh, in terms of they've got the entire eight series on their uh, website, right? And it's, it, but it's, it just kills me every time because, like, I know I, what's coming. I've right? Met the, I've met the producer of that. In, I went to her house in uh, L.A. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adeline, she's she is a genius, and she was my uh, manager's former mentor as well. Wow. They have, I mean, they've a, manipulated that show into like watertight entertainment. Like he rocks up, he tells them how shit their food is, and then just all hell. You're freezing your scallops. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. It's more, it's my favourite bit is the bit where he literally turns up at the restaurant. He's like, "Great, so I'm really hungry." Um, and then they just what, pr- and they bring out the stuff, yeah. and then he just goes, "So this is shit." And, and, like, and then the waitress goes, shit. "I know it's shit, but there's nothing I can do." Well, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but when you watch across all those series, it's just uh, okay. So the bit that's made me really obsessed about it now, because me and the wife are taking this. This is Sunday, you know, like about 10, 10 a.m. You know, we just put, put put an episode on and then we'll get on with our Sunday. But if we get to the end of the episode and we do the same thing, which is go, so is that place still open? Uh, and I tell you what, zero. 
so far, zero places have still been open. <gasps> that's that's how unsuccessful he actually was at saving that. that. Well, but the thing is, because you can save them, you can change the cuisine, but you can't change the mindset of the people working no. there. Which is why, like, another reality show I used to enjoy was Pimp My Ride exhibit yeah. show. Yes, yeah. And it was like, yeah, you can change the external of the car, but, like, you know, you can't change this person's level of hygiene yeah. or, their, or their care and attention when they're driving. You can't change that. You know, in the same way that, you know, cosmetic surgery, you mm. can make someone look the part, but yeah. inside you can't cure that body dysmorphia with a physical solution. Mm. I kind of missed yeah. Ramsey. I didn't see him that much. I don't know if you watched him when he first came out and stuff. I've got to say, that that programme would have been on my list yeah. as well because I used to... But my, the problem was when I watched about five or six of them and you saw the same formula, yeah. I kind of lost faith in it. Right. It, it just was overproduced for me. It is very I'd like yeah. to see one where someone just went, no. No, he's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you do get that, but it's always just before the break, like attention and flair yes. in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. When Johnny walks away, I can't fucking take this. I can't fucking take this guy coming to my yeah. restaurant telling me that I can't freeze my scallops. I'm well, have you seen they're giving him hotels now as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which isn't, yeah, yeah. isn't quite up to scratch because it's still basically going to end up with the the yeah, food. and where's he learnt that level of aptitude with hospitality that he now well, knows how to manage hotels <laughs> yeah. in the space of time? Because he stayed working. at hotels all over the world, so he would he would know. Well, maybe it's because uh, no restaurant will, will come near him. <laughs> yeah, now. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very clearly, clear, <laughs> he's the grim reaper. I'd say, <laughs> I would say this though: it is testament. Like I'm like I'm saying, I haven't gone through all eight series yet, but like it's testament to his ability to rile people up fuck like properly rather fuck out of people because i mean you you got to turn up there every you're performers you guys mm-hmm. got to turn up there every time to this middle of fucking nowhere restaurant <laughs> tell them their food shit and then try and convince them to change it like simplify and, simplify the menu yeah simplify the menu Sim- yeah, <laughs> simplify yeah. the menu, simplify change, the menu. Yeah. change the decor yeah, yeah change, change the- yeah <laughs> yeah and then how much do they spend to change the decor <laughs> yeah. And that happens. That happens another, yeah, overnight lots. as yeah. well. Another yeah. another More. loan. Yeah, <laughs> overnight, and then and the customers just come back. <laughs> it, is, it is a fascinating watch because I missed. I, I don't know why, but I never watched any Ramsey when it was actually happening. So I, I found myself so coming re- at it really fresh, it and so I just find myself like, oh god, I wonder how that steakhouse. Is going. Actually, be interesting if it wasn't uh, Ramsey. If it was another type of character mm. because Ainsley uh, Harriet would be can you imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that yeah. I was laughing all the time oh, yeah, don't love- what you <laughs> Percy Pepper yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that he would never have worked I can't believe I'd love to have seen him try it yeah. Ainsley if you ever listen to this please come on the I podcast mean, and let's talk about his, this project it's testament to his patience versus Gordon's because his show is called Can't Cook Won't Cook yeah. <laughs> so you know, whereas people profess to be able to cook on in Gordon on Gordon's show. Good. Well, we got to the bottom of that question. There, people never. It's amazing me. TV, TV guilty pleasures. There's so many. But, um, my actually, my sister's a very, very big fan of the Undateables. Oh yeah, people do. That's like a good that. one. First dates is a good one as well. But it's, it's ones where you've got an endless supply of episodes that you know would take a mountain to really get through. Yeah. Like. You know, a hundred and forty episodes. You know, you're in safe burn, and you, but... yeah, and you can just film them back to back. So I guess it works from your side. It's, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, Dane, over to you for the, cool. the final question of this episode. Okay, I, uh, I, just this, this is, and this is related to you saying at the beginning of the podcast, uh, so far as like commentary and and you know, like I said, walking uh, various planes of existence in your uh, art form. But uh, I give that caveat because what I want to ask you basically is. Do you remember the first time you heard the term Batman? Oh, uh, do I remember the first time I heard the term Batman? Um, but for the listeners, maybe we should. Uh, yeah, just give us explain. some background. Yeah, well, uh, the term Batman uh, for my ears is a very derogatory term, um, mainly um, used by uh, young people. Uh, I think it's fair to say from the black community. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, yeah drug term uh, for a homosexual uh, man. And I distinctly remember in school, in the playground, primary school this was, um, in my class, I was, I've got a twin, so I was in the mm-hmm. same class as my twin sister, and the girl, uh, a friend of ours called Nina, was in the same class, and the class below was her younger brother, and he was a white kid. And uh, very, and he was probably probably nine at the point at this point. Mm-hmm. Very, very effeminate. Very, very camp. 
clear to to adults around us uh, exactly where this kid uh, was going. Um, um, quite a novelty for, for for us who didn't know mm-hmm. or didn't kind of put a name to this until one day in the playground, you know, the the bully, the the, the bigger lad who, uh, from memory, had a really massive head. Uh, uh, label this kid Batty Man and you know and it stuck and I remember um, a lot of the kids um, using and chanting this to this poor child Um, Batty Man being you know um, he takes it up the bum he loves his batty being used and this this the children Mm -hmm. and it was very it was it, it became very uh, apparent that it was a negative thing. Yeah. So um, anybody else in that school, in that surrounding, in that environment, would not even dream of saying, "Oh, I think I might be gay," or I might even uh, show some empathy to this child course, yeah, who yeah. is being uh, singled out. Uh, and in the main, people kind of joined in, and the trauma this young kid must have gone through was but i mean i can't even imagine it yeah yeah i mean it's interesting even you said about the age because i was around the same age when i heard it and for a long time i didn't even make the association with homosexuality because at the age i didn't understand what that was anyway uh, i had you know so far as my understanding of sexuality we didn't really have one and um my family are from Grenada as well. So the narrative, so far as as a colloquial term amongst the black community, originates a lot from, from Jamaica. And uh, just to give further background to the listeners, uh, Stephen did a documentary uh, entitled Batman, which was, you know, uh, analysing and looking at uh, homophobia within the black community. And, you know, which we argue is still very prevalent in a lot of respects today. There has been some pro- uh, progress, but yeah, it's a very much a held belief. And... Um, yeah, and I, and I definitely admit that I, I definitely repeated it, whether it's in song lyrics or just to friends. And again, with no connotations towards their sexuality, but we just said it flippantly is like to a point where it was the equivalent of calling somebody an idiot. Well, I think I think that existed up to a certain point yeah. in society in this country, uh, just as a, as a when you were kids, because it didn't have the same. Well, I don't know, did it or did it? Like I went to an all boys school. You know, I'm past 11 plus, just yeah, about me, on the border. Me, me too. Just oh, literally oh, you only mean, just. You mean for primary school, do you mean? Uh, secondary school. Oh, secondary school, yeah, 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 me too. Yeah, I went to Just past 11 school, plus, yeah. just got in, you know, and like an old boys school where there was no girls, like to be gay was, was dubbed like the ultimate insult, which like looking back yeah. on it now, it's kind of, I find it unbelievable. And, and my whole, interestingly stuck with me throughout a lot of my teenage years. Like I'm from... Ilford was a blokey yeah. <laughs> area where people were not like progressive, uh, particularly. Yeah. It took me to go to university in America, uh, and I uh, went to the, the. I wanted to find weed ultimately yeah. <laughs> in America, uh-huh. and I went, ended up becoming friends with all the people at the alternative dorm, the one alternative dorm in a college of a quarter of a million people, and I could get the weed, and it was fifty percent gay and 50% straight it was like the only place for gay people to be accepted and it totally changed my perspective on it from that point on really whereas before that there was this weird innate fear I mean yeah a large part of fear I imagine is from conformity I've spent a lot of time you know since the documentary trying to work out you know where it kind of stems from some amongst my peers because that's probably where people are most outspoken in terms of being adverse to it and and, and it's a weird thing because there's a real paradox so the first I remember discussing it with Paul Sinner who was kind of like, you know, where he had done black gigs where, you know, I can say honestly, even at this stage, to be an out gay performer in a predominantly black room would be anathema. Like to go out, to go out and do that, it, it takes a lot. And even, and so, and he was like, you know, which I find very strange because like there are some, there are like, there's an act called uh, Wayne Rollins who performs in drag and his yeah. name is Dibby, and, you know, and, but then again, somebody who throughout very clearly and is very good and very capable performer, but I've seen a lot of performances always have to give this caveat that he is in drag and playing a character because he's aware of the connotations that are made by him being in that. Or I've even seen other acts who, you know, have, you know, very calmly and comfortably, you know, express a lot of, you know, anti-gay sentiment, mm. you know, where, which is met with, with applause kind of thing. But We talked about this a little while yeah. ago saying how you can't really go and watch much Eddie Murphy, no? Well, yeah, like, yeah, there's a lot of any Murphy that's yeah, like can... a lot of it, but the, but then you know who who someone who himself has been implicated with you know members of the trans community himself. Uh, Absolutely. For, the, for those who are listening, uh, Google Honey Dip Ashton. 
for more on that. <laughs> but for me, I think my my uh, I think I think the real epiphany came was uh, I was uh, fourteen. I just come back from a German trip. And my German teacher, who is now an out gay man, but obviously in a boys' school wasn't something he was able to maybe discuss. Um, and I was telling an anecdote about going to a theme park and seeing two German men in like leather pants and stuff. Mm. And again, probably speaking to my earlier kind of, uh, I guess, leanings as a class clown. And everyone was laughing along. And he made me stay after class and was like, you know, Dane, it's going to ask you, like, do you want to be an ignorant person that judges people on the basis of who they are? And I just, and just, and just him speaking to me on an individual basis. And because I respected this teacher more than anybody else. And even to this day, I was just like, he, he, and he basically, he was just saying, you know, search inside yourself. Is, is that a problem you have with people? And I was just like, do you know what? No. Hmm. And then, and now I can retrospectively look at my life where like, you know, I, I, can't tell you exactly where people's platitudes in terms of homophobia amongst other black households comes from but in my house it was never brought up in terms of fact that i know again this con- this this conversation comes up a lot where people are kind of like but what if your son was gay so if so when you start p- expressing some liberal but well, what if your son was gay what would you do then and well what would you rather your daughter's a lesbian or your son was gay and blah blah and it was like never been a conversation in my house never mm, it was never like it was never even flippantly said by like you know my dad's friends would come around it's never been flippantly been like well if my son was gay i would never have, I would just, it never came up so you know it's definitely something we don't necessarily address within our community different variables different variables at work yeah. i mean what was the response to the doc- document it's a good question i have a very very similar experience to you dane in terms of my family it wasn't a, an issue it wasn't talked about it wasn't uh, spoken about negatively if there was a gay character or a camp character on television it wasn't mentioned we just yeah. watched it so when i was at primary school and i heard this word which i didn't understand what it meant but having seen the way this guy was behaving to this little kid it became clear and apparent what it was a very negative thing so when i did this documentary which came about because uh i somebody i know was killed in a homophobic attack and I was like, really, in London? I thought, I'm going to try and look into this. So I thought, I'm going to do a documentary. I'm going to call it Batty Man to be provocative. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, it's a, it's know, a perfect title. And I, I want to find out. And it wasn't about um, uh, uh, me bashing my own community. I wanted to find out the roots of it. Yeah. And and it was, a sorry, without sounding wanky, it was a bit of a journey. And that's why when people say, when people I spoke to said, oh, I've heard it in music lyrics, or I've heard it in this, I've heard it that, uh, it's from the church. And it all came back to the Caribbean and Jamaica. Yeah. So, and it, I wasn't looking to, I mean, I know there are uh, uh, anti-gay laws in many countries in Africa and, and other countries around the world, but that wasn't where the story was going. You know, so I followed the story to, you know, certain um, bashment artists who kind of are well known for using... You spoke to Elephant Man, I think it was. spoke to Elephant Man, who turned up, by the way, with the most beautiful man who was driving his car (laughs) with red hair, all dressed in white. They loved the Versace and stuff like that as well, you know. And then he went off. And gave him a nod, and I was like, oh, what's that about? <laughs> Casting aspersions. Yeah. However, um, uh, I, there was a bit of backlash, I'll be honest. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. In terms of like, oh, oh look at him hanging our, our laundry up for everyone to see. Mm. Pre- like pretending it doesn't happen or, yeah. or, or, or it doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. I, I even had, um, by on good authority, three of my comedy friends tell me of a comic a colleague of ours, mm-hmm. um, quite well-known. In fact, I did the warrant for his, sh- when he had his own show on Channel 4, and um, uh, I went on to appear in EastEnders, who uh, stood up on stage uh, in front of a predominantly black crowd, slagging me off for doing that program. Mm. And I was like, so I got in touch with him. Yeah. I got it through his manager. I was like, you know what? Why don't you deal with the negativity of of this whole issue from your point of view as having a voice where you can make a difference exactly instead that. of reinforcing yeah. these awful notions yeah. and also by the same token don't worry about the kind of work i'm doing yeah. do your own stuff well, that's unbelievable to hear someone doing that. oh yes. yeah no, no, i mean considering this person is more than happy to uh present himself in very homoerotic ways uh aesthetically because when he's like has working on his enlarged pecs and he's being chest naked it's like well it's not for me 
So, <laughs> but no, but I mean, yeah, but, but you that, know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good point. Like, and, and like I said, for me, I was aware because I feel like, you know, platitudes have changed and I'm very sure in your individual interactions with people from the community, you don't get a barrage of homophobic, like, you know, um, outbursts from somebody or, or slurs. But at the same time, when people are together, there's, they can observe this mob mentality. So when I had this gig and what I'm, you know, talking about in solidarity of gay marriage, I'm aware I'm going to get tumbleweeds. But it's not for this group, this crowd who's together and are now being repressed by their own, you know, uh, theological conservatism that's making them all sit down and be like, well, uh, our peers are watching us, so I can't. But for me, it's like for those two lesbians in the corner. Absolutely. That's, that's who it's for. Or like, and it's like when I did a preview of my second show, it's having four young lesbian black women come and watch me in Primrose Hill. Because for me, it's like, because I look at it like for us to have any narrative where we are gonna be able to be respected and talk about the black British experience, which we can all argue is still somewhat kind of like, yeah, still skewed from you know the uh, public, you know, from the public as a whole. When I was doing that 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 documentary, actually, I went to I went to a, a gay an all black gay club mm. in Vauxhall that even I didn't know existed. Yeah. Right? And yeah, I was like, hello, what's going on? <laughs> And I'm I'm not. It was under one of the arches, and it was heaving with a a, a wonderful collage of, of 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 masculine and non-masculine men who had one thing in common. And I I rock up there with with a film crew, and literally the fear. You know, nobody wanted to be on camera. Yeah. It's like it's like lights coming on with roaches. Just yeah, scowl. It yeah. was so. I mean, I obviously I had to respect that and didn't. Yeah, you know, of course. The camera, but it was such a shame that I mean, in that doc- documentary, I can't remember how old, old it is now. But it was such a shame that that um, people felt. I, I I even bumped into one of my cousins at a gay club. Imagine, and uh, the cousin of mine. Did you know? Did, who, did you know they were out? My huh? cousin, you know, did you know? Your yeah, cousin? He, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because okay, cool. the thing about me, my my whole thing has been, and and I hope this will carry carry with me through the rest of my days, is that I never want to, I never want to lie about myself. Yeah, I always want I never want to look behind over my shoulder to make sure that oh, did I do the right thing? Was I the right thing? Mm-hmm. I don't want any skeletons out there. I haven't done anybody any bad. Exactly, I can say that with hundred percent hand and heart, and and, and in a weird way. Um, I, I kind of put myself on the line doing this documentary and I'm quite pleased actually that Twitter and social media wasn't around in those yeah, days because yeah, yeah. can you imagine yeah. you know well I would say one thing you'll get a lot of amazing support as well like it, it does come in bits of both doesn't it you would have found people well, championing yeah. it's interesting you would have found some <laughs> yeah. people championing it you know yeah. as well as slang but yeah. you know. it's one of those things hard where it's like even if a room, the whole room's laughing if one person's not laughing and yeah. you're like why is that person not I suppose laughing? I was just yeah, I was yeah. just, <laughs> just interested in that thing that happened with John Bishop recently do you see the thing where he was talking about mm-hmm. his son uh, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, it's a slight yeah, yeah. diversion from always. Yeah, no, Lewis Hamilton has something similar as well. But John Bishop did a did a thing where he's obviously supported his son who's come out. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. And he did this speech, which I, I'll happily send you the link to, uh, yeah. oh, a, a, a gay rights event, which I would not associate Bishop necessarily yeah. <laughs> with that that world you know he's not a natural um uh, kind of f- flag bearer yeah. for that but he did this speech which i and i used to work for john it was just like wow man like respect and, and obviously i think if you accumulated all of the comments on social media you'll find people being really really positive and you'll find the dickheads that you're talking yeah. about saying stupid this, fucking shit again this is my this is the kind of point that I kind of was trying to make before yeah. when when I mean I love John Bishop I've worked with him for many many years and I'm pleased with, the, with his success um, so so when he says this amazing speech it's it's kind of left field and he's had to say that however if he didn't have a son who was gay exactly would he have said that yeah and that, yes and it's we well, might not question. have had a conduit to, do you yeah. know what I mean yeah. because surely again I'm not saying people should should speak up for all sorts of issues but it's difficult when you don't have a link isn't it that's well, you know, you, well, for some people yes. we all have a link because you know you you will we will know everyone here in this room there's three of us we will know somebody who is gay or lesbian bisexual uh, who's got mental health issues who has got um, uh, uh, financial issues who has got we, we it, it's one person removed hmm. we all know these things and, and of course you can't speak up for every single uh, um, notion or, or whatever uh, when I did the talk show that you you did in uh, Edinburgh, Dane, and we spoke to um, um, a guy from whose line is it anyway? And 
um, Colin Mockery, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a very vocal uh, supporter of the trans issue mm-hmm. because his uh, daughter has recently come out mm-hmm. uh, as as trans, and and it's quite impassioned. And so when you see people like that. Where it's hit them as well, yeah. you know, they weren't expecting it. Mm. Who are now supporting and and being vocal? It's a great thing. Mm. My, my my whole thing about you know, if you're doing, you, you surely you don't have to experience adversity yourself directly. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a Nip great question, Dane. That was that uh, was a great question. We've done varied stuff tonight good, again. I'm glad again. It's been good. It's been real good. Thank and, you uh, for coming on the show. Uh, thank, oh, you. thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed so it. much for coming on the show. And uh, please do plug away. Oh, do you plug your... Oh, gosh, yes. Well, um, I'm constantly on tour. Um, I, I tour um, usually from September through to March everywhere across the UK. Uh, we've got another radio series coming out in the autumn. Um, I've got a book that's available from my website. Um, and um, like Dane said, if anyone... Uh, uh, wants to come to my show or reach out because you're struggling with identity or who you are. You mem- just remember, you're not alone. You know, yeah. Some of us have put our, our necks on the on, on the line. In fact, somebody told me uh, that well, not quite. People told me that that documentary Batman is now being used as an educational tool in wow. colleges and prisons. There you go. Wow. There you go. And you so, know, and that's that's the thing is that you know, for those out there who. I mean, we could talk about the minutiae of life, but you know, if you talk about stuff that moves you, then you can, mm. you know, stimulate change. So, something to take away from the podcast. And uh, thank you very much again for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks Dane. Uh, and I'm single, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if there's uh, oh, any listeners, I'm available. Yeah, just drop us a note. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets. Our guest today was Stephen K. Amos. You can follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen K. Amos. The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Howard Cohen. The show was mixed and music produced by Faye Saki. You can follow Faye at OfficialWoFaye. We record at the Dairy Studios. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 